You're listening to the Charge Forward audio blog by Chargebacks 911, bringing you the latest in payments and fraud. To learn more about how Chargebacks 911 can help you reduce chargebacks and recover revenue lost to fraud, visit us online at chargebacks911.com. This episode is a replay of a webinar entitled Offensive and Defensive Tactics for Fraud, featuring experts from Chargebacks 911 and security. Okay, welcome everyone to the webinar. Um, I wanna thank everybody for taking the time out of the day to join us. Uh, my name is Jared Wright. I'm the marketing director here at Chargebacks 911. Um, also presenting today is uh, Alicia Mitchell, who is the demand generation specialist at Securi. Um, say hi, Alicia. Hi, everyone. Okay, all right, before I get started, I just wanna go over this webinar and uh, talk about how it's gonna be structured. The first part of the webinar will include a short presentation from me and then another presentation from Alicia. Um, this portion of the webinar will be fairly visual so that it, it's important that if possible, um, you close other windows and you uh, provide us your attention for, for, for this portion. Um, the second part of the webinar will be a QA and a uh, where we answer many of the questions that were submitted. Uh, this portion will be less visual, so um, if you just wanna listen to that part, that will be fine. Um, we'll be doing our best to answer the questions that you submitted uh, during the webinar. We promise to answer any questions submitted, uh, if not live, then by email after the webinar. So feel free to submit any questions as they arise. Um, uh, lastly, th this webinar will be available for replay starting tomorrow, but uh, I, I should note that not all of the Q&A portion will be included in that recording. Um, so we encourage you to stay with us today so that you get the maximum benefit out of this event. Okay, I, I'm, I must tell you, Alicia, I'm a little excited to have you join us today. Um, and uh, that's primarily for, for two reasons. Um, first, I'm excited be, uh, to have the opportunity from somebody uh, at Security to speak because I know that our audience will benefit. Um, part of our mission with these webinars is to invite guests who cover topics that our audience is interested in. Um, we're experts in chargebacks, but we know that chargebacks aren't the only thing that e-commerce merchants care about. Um, so I'm really excited to have you today for that reason. Um, you know, uh, Alicia, you and security are addressing fraud and security for uh, security from an entirely different angle, um, which is totally interesting and exciting. Definitely. Uh, yeah. We see uh, a lot of e-commerce hacks, um, that affect, you know, all kinds of sites, um, predominantly, you know, open source like Magento and WooCommerce and that kind of thing. Um, especially over the holidays, we were tracking a lot of, um, credit card swipers and that kind of thing, which is fraud for your customers, but also um, fraud that can affect your shopping cart as well. So for e-commerce, lots of things to consider. Um, for those who don't know Securi, we do website security very specifically. We provide a complete platform for protection, detection, and monitoring of security issues. Um, so including response, um, unlimited malware removal, that kind of thing. So we, we definitely see this stuff a lot and are happy to join. So thanks very much for inviting me to talk today. I yeah, also absolutely. love Elf, by the way, so I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Will Ferrell, great movie. Yeah. Um, so, so good. And, and that actually brings me to sort of the second reason why I'm excited. Um, uh, and that's that it gives me sort of the opportunity to talk about sort of a bigger picture idea that, that, that we sort of talk about here at Chargebacks 911. Um, and, and that's that, you know, in the world of e-commerce, there's a phenomenon that we see a lot. Um, it's a sort of underappreciated connectivity between merchants where the consequences of individual behaviors are shared by the whole. 
um, for lack of a better term, uh, you know, I'll call it cyclical consequences of e-commerce connectivity. Um, and let me just give you a couple of examples. Um, the example that we talk about a lot is the, you know, it, when, a, when a merchant fails to dispute illegitimate chargebacks, it actually encourages the behavior. Um, so once someone successfully commits friendly fraud, they're more likely to file another chargeback. And the culture of chargeback abuse is fed by merchants who decide to write off chargebacks as a cost of doing business. Um, you know, I mean, if, if you think about it, if you could just imagine that if all merchants decided to dispute all friendly fraud chargebacks, we would experience a title shift overnight. Uh, customer behavior would certainly change, but so would the behavior of the banks. Chargeback fraud would all be but eradicated. Um, and of course, the reality is that for many merchants, the difficulty involved in disputing chargebacks is greater than the benefit. Um, and, and, and that sort of feeds the cycle of uh, chargeback abuse. Um, and there's a there's a similar sort of correlation between the work that security does and and uh, chargebacks 911, and and that's found through the um, the you know there there being a sort of uh, similar shared consequences when a a website is hacked. Um, and the example that I can think of immediately is if you look at Equifax, right? The fallout from the Equifax hack is probably going to be felt by merchants for, you know, I don't know, a decade probably. Um, but Equifax is doing fine, right? Their stock price is up almost 30% from where it was after the hack. Um, the damage is to everybody else in the, in the, in the ecosystem. Um, so the, the consequences of businesses failing to protect their website and protect their data are felt by all merchants. Uh, in the form of fraud and specifically, you know, in the form of uh, uh, chargebacks, if people are committing credit card fraud against your business. Um, so essentially, you know, if I get hacked, the, the, that data is used to commit fraud on your website, you get stuck with the chargeback. If you get hacked, you know, and, and, and on and on the cycle goes. Um, and then uh, additionally, the way that it sort of impacts specifically what our business is, is that the more chargebacks that a merchant's dealing with that are caused by criminal fraud, uh, essentially legitimate chargebacks, the harder it is to identify and dispute chargebacks caused by friendly fraud. Um, you know, and, and I know that a lot of merchants, a lot of uh, 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 merchants sort of feel that pain um, because the first step in successfully managing a chargeback problem is, you know, differentiating between the chargebacks that were caused because, you know, somebody stole a credit card and, and bought a product off your website and the chargebacks that are caused, you know, because somebody, you know, just changed their mind about um, w wanting a product. Uh, so the more criminal fraud that's out there, the harder it is to kind of do what we do. Um, so so security plays a, an important role and other companies like like security play an important role. So that's the second reason that I'm really excited to have you um, here today. Um, this actually reminds me a lot of something we called attacks of opportunity. Um, so, you know, if your website is not patched and you're not putting proper security measures in place, it makes it an easy target for hackers. Mm -hmm. Similar to what you're saying here, if you don't dispute the charges, the fraud, um, then you're just going to continue to enable that behavior to happen. Right. Yeah. And and the, and the consequences, unfortunately, I mean, in, in a lot of cases are, you know, the, the, the pain is felt sort of, it's a, it's a numbing pain felt, uh, a dull pain felt by everybody rather than an acute pain um, felt by the website owner. So, so a lot of times it, it's a... Uh, you know, uh, it's 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 hard to encourage uh, business owners to take this stuff seriously. 
Oh yeah, until it affects you greatly, right? Then, then right. you really yeah. need security. We find people who have their websites hacked, they definitely care about security after we clean them up. So sure. trying to make sure that people are more proactive is definitely sure. important. And are you, are you going to tell us some stories today about some of the some of the big hacks that maybe? Um... I'm going to try and scare scare the audience a little bit here. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, so uh, the, I'm just going to give you the floor, and I'll let you um, uh, you know talk about security and talk about some of the security things and some PCI compliance and other things. So. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, Jared, and um, very nice to chat with everybody here again. Thank you for joining us today. I'm going to talk um, quite a bit about e-commerce website security. So not just you know the risks to your e-commerce site, but what you can do and, and what PCI compliance is for those who are not super familiar with it or may think that PCI compliance isn't something that they need to um, invest a lot in because maybe you're using external payment gateways or, or other things like that. Um, so I'm going to try and debunk some of those myths and, and give you guys some action items to take forward and secure your e-commerce sites. So first, let's talk about the threats. So what actually happens? What could happen to you if your e-commerce site is breached, um, if there's any issues uh, on your site and you're found liable? Recently, Trustwave put out a report that says that actually 90% of breaches impact small merchants. So Jared mentioned Equifax. You know, when we think of data breaches, we think of big enterprise sites like Sony and, and that kind of thing and, and Equifax. But actually, in fact, 90% of the breaches affect smaller merchants. So in the top three compromised industries were retail, food and beverage, and hospitality. But any e-commerce website um, could be a victim of a data breach. For large websites, um, enterprise websites, you'll see things like the PCI standards say that the average cost of a breach is $4 million. Uh, and that's probably true for big sites like Equifax and Sony. But in fact, for the small businesses out there, it's still quite a hefty cost. Um, if you are found at fault of a data breach, there's a lot of costs associated with remediating the incident. Um, you know, there's a lot of non-monetary damages and that kind of thing as well. But this is what the average cost is for, for a small business. So merchants actually need to consider a multi-layered approach. We like to call it defense in depth, layered security, uh, if you want to protect sensitive customer data. It's very important as an e-commerce site to be aware of that. Um, the serious data breaches can happen, even if you don't store cardholder data. And I'll talk about that a bit more, like I said, with um, external payment gateways. PCI compliance is still something that you need to think about, even if you think it's being handled by a third party. Um, if you're an e-commerce site, you need to be aware of what the PCI standards are. And so you might be thinking, how does a data breach you know, end up costing you money as an organization? Well, there, here's an overview quickly of some of the factors that are involved. I'm going to go into these in more detail um, at the end of my presentation, just so you can kind of get like a little overview here before we go into exactly what PCI compliance is. There's also non-monetary damages. So uh, recently there was a study by the Ponemon Institute. They do one every year on data breaches. 57% um, of consumers lost trust and confidence in the organization if um, they found that their credit card was uh, breached on the site. 31% of people actually terminated their relationship with that organization. And I actually have experienced this. I've purchased something online um, on an e-commerce site. And then shortly after had uh, you know, a call from my credit card company telling me that there was a fraudulent charge on my card. And I knew that that was from that site, that, sh that site that I had never used before, um, you know, had an issue. And I will never use that site again, obviously. Um, Executives at uh, e-commerce sites have said that a data breach can actually have a, an impact on the business reputation, 75% of them. So that's really hard to quantify. You have things like bad press. It all takes is one customer who's really mouthy on social media um, or you know has a press relationship. 
there's loss of payment card privileges. This is a really big one. If you're found in violation, um, you could just not be allowed to take Visa cards anymore. So that would be a huge, huge uh, impact on an e-commerce site. And then it's really hard to quantify your time. You know, you're spending time trying to react to a breach, trying to figure out what happened, do the forensic analysis, um, take care of any of like the legal issues or the fines and that kind of thing. Uh, and, and, you know, get your website restored to, to a functional state if it's hacked. So it's really hard to um, quantify all of the impacts of an e-commerce hack, but there's just some of them for you. So let's talk a little bit about PCI compliance. Um, this is how to handle customer payment card information. So PCI actually stands for payment card industry. And uh, just over 10 years ago, the major credit card companies all got together and founded the PCI Security Standards Council in order to maintain a comprehensive and uh, evolving set of standards to help vendors protect their payment systems. They do this um, through providing guidance um, and a way to get certified as a PCI compliant vendor. Um, you may have heard of SAQs, the self-assessment questionnaires. And as e-commerce site owners, you would be looking for the SAQA or SAQ uh, EP. Uh, and those will guide you through the 12 requirements. Um, they're all separated into separate sections. And some of them are seem fairly self-explanatory. But these 12 requirements actually expand out into quite a, a bit. So each of the 12 requirements has you know, their own sub-requirements. And, and uh, the self-assessment questionnaires are, are quite long and they take some time to get through. So sometimes it's helpful to have you know, um, a third party help you with your uh, PCI compliance verification. So let's talk about these 12 requirements really quickly. The first section is to build and maintain a secure network. The very first requirement of PCI compliance is to install and maintain a firewall. So when we're talking about e-commerce websites, we're talking about a website application firewall. We offer one at Sakuri, the Sakuri firewall, and what it does is it intercepts the traffic in between the visitor's browser and your website. So if there's a bad actor, a hacker trying to access your website, gain unauthorized access, uh, the Sakuri firewall will actually filter that traffic and block it and only allow the legitimate traffic through to your site. This is um, probably the best thing you can do to protect your site from external attacks. Um, and it's incredibly important. It's, there's a reason it's the first requirement. Um, and for e-commerce sites, a WAF is, is definitely a must. The second requirement uh, seems very self-explanatory. Again, do not use vendor-supplied defaults for system passwords or other security parameters. Hackers know what a lot of these defaults are, and they'll use those. They'll be the first thing that they try when they're brute forcing your site <clears throat> trying to get in. So, for example, you know, we say a lot for WordPress sites that you want to change your default admin user. So it's, the username is an admin. Those kinds of things um, on all of your systems, anything uh, especially used for e-commerce, you want to make sure that you're changing the defaults. The next section is to protect cardholder data. Requirement three, very simple, protect stored cardholder data. If you've got, you know, cardholder data stored somewhere in a CSV, you need to make sure that it's, you know, protected and that you know, not, not as many people have access to it. Um, requirement four is that that data, when it's being transmitted across open public networks, needs to be encrypted. So with this, for e-commerce, we're talking about SSL, um, which encrypts the transmission of data in between the visitor's browser and your website. So uh, whereas the firewall will actually filter the traffic coming into your site, SSL actually encrypts the data coming from the form. So they're typing in their credit card data and everything like that and it encrypts that while it's being sent across the internet to your server or to the payment system. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about SSL later because there's, there's some um, interesting stuff you should know about SSL and it's kind of, kind of a hot topic now. 
The third section is to maintain a vulnerability management program. Requirement five is protect all your systems against malware and regularly update your antivirus programs. So we offer solutions at Securi to protect your website against infections. Um, like I said, we have our website firewall, we have detection systems as well. Um, requirement six is to develop and maintain secure systems and applications. So if you are actually developing the systems yourself, um, you develop your own payment pages, that kind of thing, you wanna make sure that you're using the security best practices. And again, all of these requirements have a lot of sub requirements that you need to get into when you're going through the process to become certified. The uh, next step here is, oops, oh, I knew it, <laughs> implement strong access control measures. So this one is uh, the other side of protecting your site. So vulnerability is one side and, and access control is the other. Um, requirement seven is to restrict access card to cardholder data by business need to know. We actually call this the principle of least privilege, and we have a, a post about this on the Sakuri blog if you're interested to learn more. But essentially, um, you just want to make sure that the people who are accessing the cardholder data, uh, that you limit that to only the people who really need to, need to access it. Um, that goes for any you know, third-party systems that you're using as well in order to um, you know, have payment gateways and that sort of thing. Requirement eight is to uh, identify and authenticate access to these systems. So make sure that there's restricted access. Uh, and requirement nine is if you have physical access to cardholder data to make sure that's restricted as well. So again, a lot of these are self-explanatory, but there are um, a lot more specifics that go into making sure that you're doing these um, with the best practices in mind. Uh, regularly test and monitor your networks. Requirement 10 is to track and monitor all access to network resources and cardholder data. Um, at Sakuri, we offer uh, two levels of detection with our server-side scanner and our remote scanner that can detect um, different kinds of conditional malware, you know, that only shows up to mobile visitors or visitors from a certain country, um, that kind of thing. Um, and the same is true, you wanna make sure that you're using uh, auditing and logs and um, detection methods to make sure that you understand what's happening in your network. Requirement 11 is to regularly test security systems and processes. So uh, especially if you have your own payment gateways, um, you wanna make sure that you're you know, investing in penetration testing to make sure that you're finding any vulnerabilities and patching them as quickly as possible uh, and that you're making sure that the systems in place are, are functional. And lastly is just to maintain an information security policy. Make sure that you have um, a process and that it's a priority for everybody at your organization that, you know, they consider uh, good passwords and, um, uh, you know, access is restricted and making sure that, you know, you, you just have your own policy. So sometimes the requirements can be a bit vague, but as you get into the self-assessment questionnaires, they do become more clear and, um, you know, the requirements and the, the best practices uh, that you need to implement will help make sure that you can achieve PCI compliance. So let's talk a little bit about, um, now that we know what PCI compliance is, how, what, what else can you do to make sure that your website specifically is secure? Since we're talking about e-commerce sites here, um, we wanna talk about how to reduce the attack surface, um, as we call it at Sakuri. Um, let's just make sure that there's less risk. The risk will never be zero, but there are some things you can do and look at to make sure that you avoid a breach from happening um, through your website. So let's talk quickly about how websites get hacked. Um, we went over this a little bit, Software vulnerabilities and access control are the two main methods. And there's a couple things that you can do to make sure that you're not a victim um, through either of these methods of, of um, uh, having a breach happen. With software vulnerabilities, you know, all software uh, is inherently gonna have some issues with it at some point. There's um, no such thing as 100% secure software. You should always assume that there may be a flaw in the code somewhere. And that goes for everything, uh, your website server software, the uh, content management system you use, any plugins. 
you want to make sure that you're keeping all that up to date because updates, you know, sometimes they're just functional, but often they include security patches. Um, and if they do, you want to make sure that you install those updates before the hackers find out because they're always monitoring and finding out, um, you know, if there's an update, they'll do a diff and find out what the difference is between the old version, find out that there's a vulnerability that was patched, and then they'll start to automate attacks against all um, websites and systems that use that software. So it means that you don't have a, a, a huge window of opportunity to update your site before that issue in the, in the version that you're running uh, is being exploited by hackers. Another good thing that we off, uh, recommend people do to make sure that you're staying on top of software vulnerabilities is to use an asset control document to make sure that you understand all of the assets that you're using on your site. Make sure that you, you know, using um, plugins and any scripts or anything like that are from a reputable developer. You want to make sure that it's being supported and that there are security updates available. Um, and you want to reduce uh, the amount of software that you're using as much as possible. So we often see people using, you know, tons and tons of plugins that, you know, maybe they're deactivated. Get that software off your server. Every extra line of code on your server is another possible um, flaw or exploit that, that could be used against your site. And then for access control, like I said, least privilege access using good password policies and implementing brute force protection so that um, you know, hackers can't try to use automated systems to guess the passwords and gain unauthorized access. So I want to talk a little bit about SSL because there's a lot of information on the internet about SSL. Um, Google is very uh, is pushing very hard for all website owners to adopt SSL. And e-commerce website owners should already be using it. Um, an SSL certificate doesn't actually do anything to keep your website safe, though. I, I want to make sure that that's clear. Um, I want to hopefully get people to start shifting the conversation to talk about a complete type of security for your site. SSL only protects your visitors' information when they're sending it to your site. It, anything going in between um, you know, data in transit uh, is, is, is protected by SSL. So um, if you're not familiar with it, SSL allows your site to use HTTPS protocol. Um, and SSL is definitely required for all e-commerce websites. Um, recently, we found uh, Google starting to actually blacklist websites that should be using SSL. Things like form data and um, you know, password fields and anything like that on your site. Even if you don't take the credit card data on your site, um, you absolutely have to have SSL just to make sure that any data put into your site by the visitor is protected. So let's talk a little bit about what you can do to secure your site. Talked before about uh, website application firewalls. It's the first requirement of P-Site compliance. And a website application firewall will actually intercept the traffic coming to your site and prevent exploitation by virtually patching any vulnerabilities. So remember I was talking about the software vulnerabilities. A website firewall will actually virtually patch those and virtually harden your server to make sure that um, the common ways that hackers are trying to attack your site can't be used. And it'll automatically detect and block those attempts. Um, our firewall actually at Sakura, we use a whitelist approach as well. Um, for things like access control, if you want to access specific areas of your site, that should be only for administrators. You'll need to have your IP whitelisted. So, you know, even if an attacker does get your password, they'd still need to be using your home network. Um, so there's lots of different methods that a firewall can, can help, not just for software vulnerabilities, but for access control as well. Um, we also block brute, fo brute force attempts by default. Um, and if you're using a popular CMS, um, right away when you install the firewall, it just asks if you want to protect the administrator area. Um, our, our firewall is actually a cloud-based one, so there is no installation at all. Um, you just sign up, it caches your site, it actually speeds up your site, which is awesome, um, using our global Anycast CDN. And then um, once we've cached your site, you just change the DNS so that when a visitor comes to your site, they're coming to our firewall server first. 
we've got all the data cached, so it speeds it up. And then um, if anything needs to get pulled from your origin server, um, that'll happen and, and they'll update the, the network automatically. So it's super easy to install and it's um, really awesome. You can see how much malicious traffic is being blocked and we find on average about 4% of all website traffic is malicious. So kind of good fun stuff. So post-breach PCI protocol. So if your website is hacked, what are you gonna do? If you have a breach, um, first of all, this is not legal advice. You, you know, for every website, it might be a little bit different, but there's a lot that you're gonna need to do in terms of collecting forensic data. Uh, and again, if your website is hacked, even if you're using, you know, in a payment gateway like PayPal, um, a hacker might be able to hack your site, change where, you know, maybe even half of the visitors are going so that they go to a malicious payment gateway instead of your site. Um, now, not only are you losing sales, but the hacker is gaining um, the customer's credit card data. So two bad things are happening. You're, you're losing money right off the bat, and also you're in breach of a, a PCI violation, even though you use an external payment gateway. So these are things that affect um, every e-commerce site owner. You should definitely um, make sure that you're aware of what these risks and um, impacts are, and, and prioritize security to make sure that you never have to deal with this. So first is a mandatory forensic examination. Um, the data security standard requires merchants that are suspected of having a data breach to have a mandatory forensic examination. For small businesses, this can cost between twenty dollars and $50,000. Uh, you have to notify your customers. Um, you know, most states have laws uh, requiring this. And in fact, the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill uh, in 2013 had a data breach of just 6,000 records, and it cost the school nearly $80,000 in order to remediate those issues. If uh, any customers are affected, uh, if their credit card data is stolen, you actually, as a business, may be required to pay for a year's worth of credit monitoring for each of the customers affected by the breach. So that adds up quickly as well. There's also fines um, for some PCI compliance breaches. Um, if during the forensic investigation, it find, found that your business was actually not compliant with some of those um, requirements that I went over earlier, there could be heavy fines against your business. Um, it can be, depending on the size of your business and the size of the breach, it could be from five grand to 50 grand or more. There's also liability. Um, lawsuits can be levied against you, uh, not in every case, but again, it's, it's definitely something that you need to consider uh, and it'll add to the, the cost, not only monetarily, but in time and, um, and just headaches. And then of course, credit card replacement costs. Um, for all of the users who went to your site and had their credit card stolen, you will have to um, pay to have those cards reissued and, and uh, the credit card companies, the PCI companies will um, charge you for that. If you have a point of sale system, you will have to invest as well in upgrading or replacing the system. This includes the servers, software, and our, the car card devices. Um, definitely if your e-commerce site is hacked, you're gonna need to figure out where that flaw was and patch it. And that's something that we can definitely help with um, at, the, at Sakuri. Um, we not only clean your hacked website, remove the e-commerce hack, the credit card swiper, whatever it is, but we'll also uh, implement the firewall in order to make sure that that vulnerability cannot be exploited again. And then finally, you have to be reassessed. So you'll have to go through a QSA, Qualified Security Assessor. Those are the folks that can help you go through like the SAQ and make sure that you are PCI compliant. So um, certainly if you weren't compliant before, um, or even if you were, you're just going to have to get reassessed after a breach has been found on your site. So that's um, most of what I have there for the e-commerce um, side of things. So I'm looking forward to some questions. Uh, I think I'll pass it back over to you.
Yeah, I think I think I think that was great. So so actually, I, I guess I was a little bit wrong with uh, with my thesis. It seems like there are a lot of uh, immediate consequences for for businesses that get, um, you know, their, their website hacked. There's there's a lot of pain that they feel in addition to the to the, you know, people that whose uh, the stolen credit cards are used against. Oh, certainly. And I, you know, we're just talking about e-commerce hacks specifically um, for, you know, there's so many different kinds of hacks that can affect your reputation. You know, if sure. you're showing ads, uh, if you're showing in Google that you're, you know, showing spam, uh, pharmaceutical spam, we see that happen where your title yeah. tags in Google get changed and start advertising Viagra and Cialis, <laughs> or you get blacklisted I, I, by Google and suddenly your traffic drops by 95%. There's, there's definitely a lot of devastating things that can happen if you're citing yeah. I, I do like the hacks though, where they take over your homepage and, uh, and, and it's, you've been hacked and it's got like somebody's tag on. I don't know. That, that happened to me one time. That was my favorite hack. It was very harmless. They just installed a indexed yeah. HTML on my website. Those ones are but, usually uh, but, either bored kids or, or uh, hacktivists who are trying to spread a, a particular political message. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> So, uh, and, and then did, did you say 4% of traffic is malicious to a website? Yep. yep. That's, and that's actually once, you, once I know, right. But you know, some of it is not, you know, necessarily achieving their ends, right? Like you will be hit right. with that kind of thing that are just, you know, scouring your website, looking for, for something, some way to get in, uh, some password field to, to try and hit with password attempts. Um, yeah, four percent of web traffic is malicious. Well, good. I'm going to have to adjust my conversion uh, uh, calculations then. Yeah, I mean, come come out, try the security <laughs> firewall, uh, put it on your site, and you'll see within a few days, like you'll be able to see that we're blocking actually, uh, you know, on average four percent of the traffic. Oh. Yeah. So that that traffic is hitting your site right now. <laughs> if you don't have a firewall, then uh, nothing's being done to stop it. Okay. Great. Hmm. All right, and and so the the only other thing that I wanted to talk about before we get into the questions is, um, you know, and at least you probably you probably understand this a little bit more than I do, um, but but we are uh, PCI level one compliant here at Chargebacks nine one one, and uh, you know I'm not a hundred percent sure what that means, um, but but my sort of basic understanding is that you know uh, the the security extends beyond just our website or the way we accept credit cards that um, you know our facility is uh, secure and you know we can we can handle customers data so so our customers can feel safe that that we're handling their data in a responsible way um, the only way that it impacts me is that I got to have you know a bunch of different lanyards to get into all these different areas of my company um, you know and there's some some training that I had to sit through and stuff, but but it uh, but it's important, you know. And and one of the things that I was shocked to learn is that a lot of our competitors in the chargeback management space aren't PCI compliant. And so all of the things that Alicia was talking about, if if you know if you you take all the steps to make sure that your website is uh, uh, secure and that you know the way that you accept credit cards is PCI compliant, but then you just uh, you know grant access to any company that uh, you know. They, to your website, to your customer data, um, without doing the due diligence and making sure that they're also PCI level one compliant, um, then all of that security really was, for, you know, for 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 for, for nothing because uh, because you you know opened yourself up to a, a huge security risk. Um, and, and so that's something I just like to mention to people because a lot of times it doesn't immediately, they don't immediately think about it or they don't immediately think to ask, uh, you know, if, if I allow you into my CRM or, uh, you know, access into uh, uh, my website in any capacity, um, you know, 
what how how well are you taking care of that data um because because that's another area that that you know a lot of businesses find uh vulnerability in yeah, definitely. You have to okay. you have to check out any vendors that you work with. Absolutely, make sure that they're they're qualified and that they have all the security controls in place and that they're taking security seriously. All right. So now we, we just we just have some questions that were submitted uh, when when people register for the webinar. Um, the first one is: What is the percentage of reduction in fraud using CVV two as opposed to without it? Um, so I was going to do a little bit of research and try to have an actual number, um, but uh, you know, I my sense is that there probably isn't a number, um, and I think what's more important to talk about here is that you know any type anytime you have a fraud sort of preventing system. So you know, it used to be that you, you, when you accepted credit cards online, you had to get the um, air, uh, the the zip code, the billing zip code, and then they came with a CVV2. And you know, they have they have all of these sort of systems that evolve over time where uh, you know their checks and balances and they're and they're, and they're designed to thwart uh, credit card fraud. Um, but to be honest with you, you know, the the fraudsters just adapt. Uh, so, you know, a lot of these sort of static systems um, really aren't that good at preventing cr uh, uh, credit card fraud. Uh, you know, if you have a, a, an exposure to credit card fraud, um, you know, something like asking for a CVV2 or even a zip code is a good idea, but you, you shouldn't you shouldn't put a lot of faith in it um, just because, you know, those hurdles are going to be crossed by the vast majority of people that are um, using a stolen credit card. Um, in fact, you know, usually when, you know, not that I know from direct experience, but my understanding is that when you buy credit cards on the web, they usually come with all of that verifying data, like CV, you know, with the security codes and the, um, the zip, zip codes yep. and area codes and things. So usually um, anything put into the form is scraped. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, you know, it's, it's a good idea, you know, uh, anytime you're doing something to protect yourself, do it. But, uh, you know, you're probably gonna gonna need some additional layers of security. Uh, what are some re oh, what are some resource? Uh, what happened? <laughs> okay, what are some resources to learn how to set up PCI compliance? Uh, yeah, Alicia, you, you got something here? Definitely, yeah. I would say that um, you want to go to the official PCI security standards website and they have tons of documentation there. You can even download the self-assessment questionnaires, find out which type of merchant you are. Um, you can talk to a QSA, a Qualified Security Assessor, um, and there's you know, all kinds of um, guides and that sort of stuff online. You can also go to blog.sakuri.net and we have um, a section, a tag for PCI compliance and a section for e-commerce security where we talk about specifically e-commerce. Uh, I mentioned before we have a post on uh, how to choose which SAQ is right for you. Um, we have a couple posts on just an introduction to PCI compliance, so those would probably be a, a better place to start if you're brand new to it. But yeah, definitely the, P the official PCI Security Standards website um, will have all the information you need there. Yeah, and, and after the webinar, uh, Alicia, I'll send you over uh, the person that asked this question. Maybe you could forward uh, some links to them. Absolutely. Okay. All right, chargeback trends. Uh, we actually had a little powwow on this question to see if I could uh, answer it intelligently. Uh, in webinars in the past, I have, I've had... The next few questions and answers were only heard by our attendees. The remaining questions will resume in a moment.
Thank you so much. Okay, Alicia, uh, general PCI compliance where no PAN data is ever collected. Yeah, so PAN here, they're referring to a uh, personal account number. So if you don't collect the credit card data yourself, I kind of alluded to this earlier, if you have a third-party payment gateway, um, could still result in a PCI compliance issue if your site is hacked and the hackers redirect the customers to a malicious payment gateway that they're in control of. Now um, that customer who is coming to your website uh, as a result of you know poor security practices on your site, um, you know if the the customer is then redirected to a malicious gateway and their their data is stolen, that's still on you. So you're still um, liable for any PCI compliance issues. And um, if you're investigated, um, then that could result in those those impacts that I talked about earlier. So I would say it's still important for you to be aware of PCI compliance and go through it. Even if um, you know I think Stripe recently re-released. Um, a payment gateway that they talk about it being all PCI compliant as if you don't need to worry about it. You do need to worry about it. You should know about it. If you're an e-commerce site, if you're dealing with any kind of sales, um, even if you're not collecting the data, you really need to be aware of what PCI compliance is and, and make security a priority across your, your site and across your processes. All right, good advice. What more can we do as an ERP solution to provide visibility analysis, KPI monitoring, and early warnings of issues? Certainly. So yeah, I talk a little bit about uh, what Sakuri does here. So we have uh, two kinds of scans um, for monitoring. Uh, one is a server-side scan, so it has access to see everything uh, in your website files and database and, and looks line by line through your code to make sure that, you know, if we're able to detect either signature matches or um, something correlated with our machine learning engines that will um, we'll flag and let you know. Um, we can integrate with your existing SIM system. So if you have a security incident and event management system, um, Splunk or something like that, we, we integrate with that as well. Um, making sure that those systems are talking to each other and you have a security team in place. Um, if you don't have a security team, you know, that's why we offer a complete suite at Sakuri. So you can kind of consider us an extension of your security team. We provide that monitoring. We provide that early warning system so that, you know, maybe your website hasn't been blacklisted by Google yet because Google hasn't found the issue, but we're constantly monitoring your site, scanning it, you know, every, depending on the plan from minutes to hours and, and letting you know instantly um, by sending alerts and messages through your security incident and event management. So definitely uh, finding a solution that is robust, that will monitor your site and make sure that you're aware if there's any integrity issues with your site, if it's hacked, you want to be the first to know so that you can take immediate action and prevent these kinds of incidents from happening, these breaches. Okay. Um, is the industry seeing more of a machine learning approach to combat fraud, maintaining rule-based solutions, or a combination of both? What, what, what do you think? Machine learning is definitely the, uh, the the topic of the year. I would say definitely the industry is seeing more of a machine learning, but at the same time, it's still a combination of both. There's always going to be a need for signature-based analysis. Certainly at Sakuri, we're implementing more um, machine learning and more correlation in terms of how we're approaching risks and, and emerging threats that are out there. You know, you mentioned hackers are always, you know, you always got to build a bigger mousetrap, right? So machine learning is one of the best ways to do that. Um, correlating across our network, you know, across our firewall and that kind of thing uh, really helps us to be uh, a step ahead of the attackers. But those those signatures are still going to be a huge part of, of any kind of 
detection or uh, protection system. Okay, good. What new data security risk will 2018 bring and how can I protect my business? I mean, you alluded to this before too, right? Like it's just uh, the continued enablement of bad actors to, to do bad behaviors. Um, I would say that definitely at Sikuri, we've seen um, a rise in different kinds of malware, more sophisticated kinds of malware and phishing attempts. Um, for example, crypto miners with cryptocurrencies becoming very big, we're seeing a lot more um, crypto miners being installed on websites, which will actually mine the um, CPU resources of your visitors. Uh, so just finding new ways, I think, I think combining the types of methods that um, hackers are using in order to, um, to steal sensitive data. You know, we've found some credit card swipers where there's actually multiple types of credit card swipers on a site. So even though they're harvesting the data one way, there's actually a secondary process. Um, you know, more, more uh, of types of hacks that are conditional, so only shown to um, specific audiences. Um, you know, making sure that security analysts can't see uh, the hack, that kind of thing. Um, and um, yeah, just, just generally, the, we're seeing hackers becoming more sophisticated in how they're implementing hacks and making sure that, you know, if you remove it, it'll replicate itself, make it very difficult to remove um, the malware from your, from your site. Um, so yeah, I would say more of that in the future and definitely certainly um, one of the things we're seeing is the crypto miners for sure. Yeah, I, it's it's a scary world out there. I, um, you know, I, I think just from a chargeback standpoint, I think, uh, you know, the expectation is that you're, you're probably going to see more chargebacks this year than you saw last year and and probably more um, the, the year after that. Um, you know, if 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 it's feasible, if you're at the level where you have enough chargebacks, where it warrants, uh, you know, creating a chargeback management system internally, um, you know, at some point you're going to have to do it. Uh, you know, keeping your merchant accounts healthy is going to require, you know, you stay in under the 1% threshold. And, you know, I, we have conversations daily with very large businesses, with very reputable businesses um, that are, that are starting to get close to that 1% threshold. And, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's just a sign of, of sort of a, ch a changing and thinking of uh, a merchant. So, you know, and hopefully the, the PCI Standards Council adjusts with, you know, that change in, in how things are developing, you know, if it is becoming more prevalent and that, like you said, friendly fraud. Yeah. All right. Well, Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. I think I think I think we had a good webinar. Uh, it seems like everybody kind of stayed on. So uh, so that, that was good. It seemed like everybody was enjoying it. Thank you so much for, for joining us today, Alicia. Thanks very much, Jared. It was my pleasure to be here. OK, bye. Thanks.